This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Thanks to all our patrons on Patreon. You help make this podcast possible and we appreciate each and every one of you. We do an extra big thank you to our February sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. She's a writer and a poet and a podcaster and a photographer and a nature lover and all of these things. I know you guys will enjoy getting to know her. And what's more, she has a free special gift for you. 10 Good Habits to Help You Become a Great Listener. And we're going to link to that in the show notes. And you can also find out more about her at her website, wendylmacdonald.com. That's W-E-N-D-Y-L-M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. Thank you, Wendy. And it's my turn to do a wonder. And ever since I was a kid, I have always loved the wind. And it's amazing to me the power contained in wind. I can remember as a little kid walking to school and the wind would be blowing like crazy and I'd feel like it was pushing me to school so that I could go and learn. And sometimes I would feel like I was playing with the wind as it blew around me. Well, since we moved to to Gold Bar, Washington, uh, we have discovered that this is a very windy area. Gold Bar could rival the windy city of Chicago with the wind power that takes place here. My husband is even considering getting a wind generator because it is so constant and so strong. And it's amazing to me that something that we cannot see, something that we can only feel and see the effects of it, the power that can be contained there and knowing that this is God's power being displayed and demonstrated. I know that when we see things like tornadoes and and the terrible destruction that can come from wind that is out of control, it's hard to remember that God created it and that he is the one who is allowing it to happen. But it always puts me in mind of God's power and how it works in our lives. And sometimes it's soft and gentle, and sometimes it practically blows us off of our feet. (laughs) So. I am just constantly amazed at the display of God's power in the wind. And that's my wonder. Hmm, And now, here's here's the the show. show. Hey, guys, and happy February. We're so glad that you're here to spend time with us and to hear the things that God has given us to share with you. And we are so delighted that we have a guest, Tina Yeager, and Aaron is going to introduce her. Yay, I'm so excited because I got to know this lovely person at the Florida Christian Writers Conference, and it was just a delight to get to meet her and get to know her. And guys, just a side note, if you've never been to a conference, it's one of the big benefits of going to a conference. You meet cool people. (laughs) And, And so I met Tina there, and we had lots of time to just chat and talk. And I want to tell you about her. She is an award winning author. She's an inspirational speaker and a 
life coach, and she hosts the Flourishment Podcast, and she publishes Inspirations Online, which is a weekly devotional for writers. She has won over 30, get that, three zero writing awards, including a 2020 Golden Scroll Award. She's been licensed as a counselor since 2005 and has over 20 years of experience in teaching parenting and writing skills and communications and inner healing and spiritual growth. The list goes on. <laughs> she specializes in ADHD, stress management, purpose definition, abuse recovery, and esteem building. And she currently runs an online life coaching practice called Divine Encouragement, LLC. And if that's not enough, <laughs> Tina holds a BA in creative writing and an MA in counseling. And she serves on the board of the Christian Authors Network and as a mentor with Word Weavers International. She's also an active member of Advanced Writers and Speakers Association and Christian Women in Media. And guys, we're just delighted to have her here today, bringing her wisdom and experience. Yay! Welcome, Welcome. Tina! Thank you so much, Erin and Karen. And so, Tina, let's jump in. <laughs> what does the deep mean to you? I feel like all of us have places within us that feel like they sink deep, where we just get lost sometimes in our own darkness and get lost within ourselves. But the good thing is that God is deeper than our deepest depths, and he can reach us there. And when you asked me this question right before the podcast, yeah, a little late. Sorry. <laughs> we <laughs> right put her on the spot, podcast, man. <laughs> immediately, I thought about a specific psalm that I really love. And it's always just kind of echoed in my mind Psalm 42 7, deep calls to deep mm. in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And the psalmist actually meant this as God kind of leaving him to be drenched and almost drowned in the waterfalls. But when I think of waterfalls, I think of the beauty and the tranquility and the rejuvenation you experience when you see a waterfall. So there's two ways that you can experience the drenching presence of God in his depths. And I love the verse that follows it that reminds that psalmist that he's not abandoned by God in that deep place. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So that's what the deep means to me. It means that God meets us in the deepest places that we are, whether those places are dark or whether they're receiving that rejuvenating presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm, I love that. That's that's one of my favorite um, verses as well. And I love the way you explained that and described that. Very cool. Well, you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast um, now and again, that we often talk about being vulnerable and being authentic on the page, that writers need to go to those deep places and pour those out on the page. But one of the things that we've really haven't covered is what do you do if you can't access those feelings, if it's so traumatic that you have blocked it, or you want to avoid it, or you just can't go there. And um, when I heard about all of Tina's experience, I thought this is a great topic to pick her brain on. <laughs> As a mental health professional, 
What are your thoughts? What do writers do when they can't access um, those feelings and those emotions? What are some thoughts? If it is related to a trauma that you experienced, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a therapist, I'm saying this from my experience as a therapist and as a person, you should access someone who is a professional, a mentor, someone of great experience in the area that can lead you with Christian expertise to find healing. If it mm. is something you've blocked, then you probably are in need of professional assistance to work through those feelings and find healing. It's very difficult to do that on your own. And I would recommend that everybody deserves healing and your readers deserve to benefit from the healing that you'll receive and what you'll be able to offer after you've gone through that healing process. It's painful. Nobody likes to take a broken bone and hand it over to the doctor and say, here, <laughs> reset it because it hurts. I mean, it's the resetting of the bone is painful. When they go in to take out an infection that's gotten embedded deeply beneath your skin and in your tissues, it's a painful process to get that infection out. So many of us are reluctant to go seek help mm -hmm. and to address those feelings and we cover it up and we bury it deeper and yet the wound is still there and it's still a sore place and we don't want anybody else to touch it. That is exactly what is needed for you to be effective in your writing. You need to work through those feelings, get to the other side so that you can benefit others. Mm -hmm. You know, what I think too is you're absolutely right. First of all, that that's great counsel right there. And I think Sometimes we don't realize, and, and I've been watching somebody deal with this in my life lately. I'm watching another person go through this, and they're just so weighed down with issues that haven't been addressed. And I don't think they realize the weight on their shoulders. And I don't think they realize how exhausting it is to keep carrying that heavy load, you know. So I'm right there with you, encouraging people to get professional help so that, and especially if they don't realize, you know, how weighed down they are. It's interesting, too, how the church has historically been resistant to people going to counselors. Uh, Don and I, you listeners who are regular, you know Don and I have had a lot of struggles in our marriage. Don has had a lot of struggles from his childhood, the abuse that he suffered. And we would talk to people at the church. We were married in 79, and we would talk to people at the church looking even for older couples to help us. And they would tell us that we just needed to pray more, which I understand. Yes, of course, the most powerful thing we can do is pray. And yet the deeply embedded dysfunctions taking place there. Um, and I came from a leave it to beaver childhood and background. He came from Nightmare on Elm Street. So you marry those two together, pun intended, and you're going to have issues. And so we needed somebody who could help us sort through those issues. And we were in professional counseling for 20 years, all total out of the 43 years that we've been married. And we would not have survived without the man that got brought into our life, who not only was able to help us as a counselor, but he was also a believer and he could use his learning and his skill and the grace that God had given him to confront us and to do what was needed. And 
People in the church are so afraid of confrontation. There's no way they they can do what is necessary when you need somebody to really help you dig in to those deep, sometimes ugly places. So what do you think then if you've been through counseling and you're feeling, you know, like you've like you've worked your way through it and you want maybe you've already done some journaling and now you want to write about it, but now it's like it's it's difficult to go there, even though you feel God pushing you that direction. Um, what are your thoughts or tips that might help a writer to to deal with that? I think if you want to look at have you really worked through it, that's the first question, because sometimes we can work through layers mm-hmm. of those things and you may still need somebody to mentor you through mm-hmm. that writing process. Somebody who has walked through writing from trauma or writing from pain to be your writing coach or your writing accountability partner to help you a little bit at a time go through those steps. And I think every step that you take needs to be prefaced by prayer and meditation and asking the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. If you have to physically reach out and grab Jesus' hand Mm -hmm. as if you are grabbing a physical hand in the air and say, Jesus, come with me on this journey and ask him to lead you word by word through every page, every scene, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, to help you direct this in a way that's going to benefit readers. There's two types of writing. First of all, there's writing that's cathartic, that's for your own benefit. And then there's writing that is to benefit the reader. And Mm -hmm. if you're doing it to be cathartic, it is not for your reader. It is for Mm -hmm. you and for your therapist. So you need to know which thing you're doing Either one is fine. Just know which one you are doing and be targeting that process in that direction. So if you are writing a cathartic piece, don't mistake it and try to get it published. Because oftentimes (laughs) a cathartic piece can be too graphic. It can be too raw with things that will trigger trauma issues in your readers. Mm -hmm. And that won't be beneficial to them. But if you're writing from a place of healing, to bring your readers along on that process of healing in their journey, then that is a benefit to the reader. So you can write after you've done the cathartic part and edited all of that and made it so that you can be of benefit to that reader. Then on that process, you can do that. And that's where the Holy Spirit is extremely helpful because he knows what your readers need. He knows every person that he intends to read that piece. And so visualizing the person that's going to receive this And praying for your reader as you write, as if you are writing to bring healing to someone else, also helps you get out of yourself and have the courage to address the things that are hard. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, if I'm remembering right, Karen Ball, author over there, (laughs) you wrote a novel called Breaking Point, and I know that was a lot where you had to dig into the difficulties of your marriage. Um, What kind of things helped you, would you say, as you were trying to go there again? It was interesting. Um, When I knew that I was going to be writing about it, it was the book that was based on the struggles we'd been through in our marriage. It was obviously fictionalized. Not everything that happened in the book happened to us, but a lot of it did. I used my actual journal. The journal that the uh, protagonist, the woman is writing, is all of it is from my personal journal in our struggles. And the very first scene that the couple goes through 
um, actually happen to Don and me, all except the end where they go off the mountain. Um, they're in a blizzard in Oregon, driving through a blizzard, and all she can think about is how much she hates her husband. And it just, it it was a scary place to go because Don and I had gotten past that and we had reached a point where we were not only married, but we were friends and we enjoyed being together. And I was so afraid that going back into the emotions, which I had to do, going back into the emotions would send me in a tailspin in our relationship. But God, I prayed about it and God gave me the idea to take pictures of Don when he's happy. And when you have the kind of childhood that Don had, seeing real joy on his face is kind of a rarity. And so I found all these pictures of him and I put them all around my computer on the walls and on my desk. And when I would go into the the really intense part of the writing, if I started to feel myself getting sucked into the anger again, one of the issues we dealt with is his coming from a family of generational abuse. From as far back as as they can, any of them can remember, the men abuse their kids, except for Don's generation, and and they have stopped it with their children. But Don's was subjected to just ungodly abuse, and so when it came time to do all those things, and I was so afraid of what would happen, um, I could lean back and I could look at those pictures and and I could tell myself, I could look at the computer and say, that was then, this is now. That was then, this is now. The other thing that helped a lot was I had Don read everything that I wrote so that he could see whether I was representing his side of it in the male protagonist view, if I was representing it accurately. I didn't want to paint it through my filter um, Mm -hmm. and to make sure that what I was saying from the female's viewpoint that I didn't dishonor him in any way. And so there was all of that. And then I had a weekly uh, group of women that we um, got together, all of whom loved writing, and we prayed together. And so I had a lot of undergirding from the pictures of Don, from God's presence, from my friends, from Don himself. And it got me through it. So by the time I finished writing that book, it was just a miraculous thing because I found myself more in love with and with more respect for Don than I had had even when I began. Hmm. I love that because that matches what Tina said as just a Holy Spirit thing. You know, right. it's a God it thing. God took you by the hand and yes. led you through that. And and I love that. Very cool. Yeah. What about um, from maybe a mental health perspective, um, what about if writers are just feeling down or discouraged? Um, what are some things that they might be able to address or to do to help um, help deal with that type of thing? I think having other writers and community with you is essential. Whether you struggle with mental health issues or not, we are a very isolated profession. So it is very difficult to stay encouraged. We face more discouragement as creatives than any other industry that I can think of other than other creative industries, right? (laughs) So it's, it's very hard not to get discouraged, even if you don't face mental health issues. And then if you do, you have that additional organic complication of not having enough serotonin and dopamine to begin with. And so making sure that you're doing things that get you energized, 
that get you connected with other people. You're going to have to do things that are hard that you don't feel like doing. And one of those might be getting in community with people who you don't feel like it. <laughs> and another thing is to make sure that you get some exercise. Mm. Believe it or not, the serotonin levels will go up when you get a little exercise. And we could sit at our computers all day and write and write and write. But then our mood can drop because we are in that blue screen environment, which is not right. necessarily good for the brain for all day long. And then we're also not getting that oxygenation of our bloodstream and our brain. So we need that for our brain, the organ that allows us to be able to do our job to function. We need to be able to get some cardiovascular exercise in. So just, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be, I'm training for a marathon kind of exercise, just something <laughs> to get your serotonin and dopamine up and make sure you expose yourself to something that's going to help you laugh. Mm -hmm. That's going to give you joy. That's going to make you smile. Don't make your whole life centered on obligation. If we are working out of obligation when we're writing, our writing will suffer and we will suffer and we won't be able to continue. So we need to do things that make us laugh. We need to play and we need to see our work as worship mm. so that when we don't feel like it anymore, we're giving it as an offering. When we don't see the results that we want to see and how often does that happen? I think <laughs> all of us have been through those periods or we just continually are in that period where we don't feel like it's having impact and we get discouraged by that. But writing as worship can help you redirect your purpose for writing toward God and not toward some kind of tangible result you think you're going to get that really is not standardized. We don't know what success looks like under God's design for our lives. And we may be reaching people that we don't realize with mm -hmm. our lives, with our writing, with our writing community. So remembering to do our work as worship is really important. And then also just taking care of yourself. Self-care is essential when you are dealing with low mood and that goes with sleeping, making sure right. you're getting enough sleep, right. making sure that you're nourishing your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain needs to be fed omega-3 fatty acids. Your brain needs to be fed certain things for it to work properly, especially if you struggle with mental illness. That is critical. So there are things that that are great about people being particularly sensitive as creatives, about having that gamut of emotion that you can pour into your writing. But it can also generate a sense of struggle if you're not on top of taking care of yourself in the midst of that profession. Wow. I especially like where you say do things that give you joy, because I find that um, one of the best things I can do is get down on the floor and play with or pet my two corgis, you know, just snuggle with them and or bring them up on the recliner with me and pet them. And, and I find that the connection, the physical connection with them is rejuvenating. And it definitely brings me joy to do that. So even something as simple as playing with your dog can, can help to get that flowing. I think that's great, too, because joy brings hope, you know. Right. And hope is like the antidote to discouragement, I think, you know, hope. I mean, and as Christians, we have that ultimate hope. We should be the most hopeful people in the world, yeah. even though it's not always easy to maintain that perspective. Um, but that is something I think we can 
also be praying for, that God would help us to experience that hope in our in our hearts, you know, for what happens in this life and what happens after that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. this is just a warm up show, you know, for heaven. So um, I like that. Um, we're getting pretty much here to the end of our time, Tina. So, do you have any last words of encouragement or advice that you'd want to give to our listeners? I would love for everyone to realize that you matter and the words that the Lord has placed deep within you are important. He has created you on purpose for a purpose and he shines his message through you. It's not all up to you. All you need to do is make sure that you show up and stay dwelling and centered Mm -hmm. in his spirit so that he can keep you sustained by his energy and his hope and his joy and his truth. So remember, you're the vessel Mm. and you matter because you are the vessel that he created. Mm. I love that. That, that whole idea that it doesn't, it doesn't rest on us. The, the, The responsibility that we have is obedience. What happens from there is up to God. We have no control over where our writing goes where our career goes, but God does, and and He will do what He will do. We just need to make ourselves available to Him. Tina, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and encouragement. I just I know that our readers, our readers, well, our readers, if they're listening, <laughs> our <laughs> listeners have been blessed by this conversation. So God bless you. Bless you too. Thanks, Tina. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.